By the way, what are you working on? Oh, it's nothing really. Just a few verses to remind myself of how fragile my life is. <gasps> but you're so young. I mean, you're older than me, but still so young. This is Troy. And this is Melissa. And this is all... Things Together. And that clip from our new podcast theater may sound sad, but it's actually a pretty inspiring story. Yeah, it really is. On this episode, we'll be talking about Anne Bradstreet. I'm curious, have any of you heard of her? We recently were at a large Christian gathering and asked that very question. Do you know who Anne Bradstreet is? And if you do, uh, what do you know about her? I do know the name, but I am not pulling up the history. <laughs> so you got me. I apologize. Do you know who Anne Bradstreet is? And if so, tell us about her. No, I do not. So, <laughs> hey, I really appreciate honesty. <laughs> the name only. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> do you know who Anne Bradstreet is? I know the name. I do not know. She was a poet. Oh, she was a poet. I do not know who Anne Bradstreet is. She was uh, one of the Puritans, right? That's right. Anne Bradstreet was in the Pilgrim era of America. And, um, you know, it's been a few years since we read a book about her. She was a Puritan poet. Really? Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. And, well, most didn't know who she was. But that's okay. We can remedy that. Not only do we have a podcast theater about Anne Bradstreet on this episode, but we also have an amazing conversation about this inspiring Puritan poet with Dr. Stephen Nichols. Church history is is our family. Amen. This is we are part of this family of God and there are wonderful stories in church history. So who was Anne Bradstreet? Simply put, she was the very first poet, that's right, the first poet published in colonial America. She was a painter with words, as well as a Puritan. Yes, and her words were very encouraging to fellow pilgrims. As well as to us today. She seems to be most known today for her love poem to her husband titled, To My Dear and Loving Husband. But she wrote much more than that. Her poems acknowledge and tell of her struggles and faith, her thankfulness to her sovereign God, and her eagerness for eternal life with her Savior. Oh, but we can't forget. Forget what? To tell them to stick around after the podcast theater so they can hear all about this episode's giveaway. Yeah, we can't forget that. And uh, I guess we just told them. <laughs> I guess so. And we're pretty excited about this giveaway because it was written by our special guest and it's called The Church History ABCs. So speaking of our special guest, let's hear more about Anne Bradstreet from Dr. Stephen Nichols. We're planning to hopefully give away a few of your ABCs of church history. Oh, wonderful. Uh, if I remember right, B is Bradstreet. She is. Yes. yes. When I, I went and looked up on the uh, table of contents, I'm like, well, Melissa, he wrote about Bradstreet and ABCs. Let's do it. <laughs> well, I think we came across your, you did a five minutes in church history on her too, right? Yeah, probably one or two at least. How, how many episodes of that do you have now? Do you know? You know, I don't, but it goes back to 2012. How many episodes, Kent? Uh, I think we're coming up on 500 right now. Fantastic. Wow, that's awesome. Closing in on 600. Wow. Closing in on 600. That's great. So uh, that's uh, 3,000 minutes in church history. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Stephen Nichols, thank you for being here on the All Things Together podcast. Well, thanks for having me. Look forward to this time with you and your family. We were really excited when you said that you were uh, willing to join us. You are the 
president of Reformation Bible College. You're also a teaching fellow at Ligonier. And as a family, one of our favorite podcasts, Five Minutes in Church History. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate you mentioning that. It's it's fun to do. Who doesn't have five minutes a week, right? Exactly. Right. Church history. So... <laughs> There you go. Exactly. You could do five minutes of church history and then five minutes of exercise, and then you'd have it. <laughs> and you're done. If that's only all you that's need. All for <laughs> so you you obviously have a podcast about church history. I, I believe your your uh, most of your studies are in church history. You teach church history. Mm-hmm. What was it that that hooked you um, with church history? You know, I I think I've always loved history. I've always loved American history. I, I grew up in Western PA. And there were some French and Indian war sites around where I grew up. And when I was a kid, I was enamored with mm. George Washington. Oh. And uh, as I you know, came into my Christian faith and began to realize um, what the Christian faith was all about, I realized pretty quickly that you know, we're not the first ones doing this. Hmm. Uh, we're not the first ones trying to be faithful disciples, sometimes in challenging contexts. We've got the heroes of the faith in Scripture, but we also have heroes of the faith in the pages of church history. And so just that love of history, love of good stories, uh, drew me to church history. And I think what I began to see in it is not so much, you know, the celebration of these heroes, but really God's faithfulness. And that's what I love about church history is we just see time and time again God showing, demonstrating his faithfulness in the lives of his people. Wow. Yeah, that's that's our mission statement for Five Souls Media. You basically it really said. is. It is, yeah. and you know, a few years ago, as uh, you know, COVID was hitting, and there were so many, you know, Christians just worried about what what is happening in our world. It was right. it was such an encouragement to us to you know through our short films and now in our podcast to go listen. We're not alone, and and <laughs> and, right. and the reality is that Christians particularly around the world are suffering far more than us here in the West. But mm-hmm. look through church history. There there was a lot more suffering from Christ than than, than we are experiencing here, at least in North America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we all heard it, you know, this, this unprecedented times. But you think about it, really, it's, it's the minority mm. in church history that have had the privileged position uh, through most of the centuries. And as you rightly indicated, you think of the global church that through much of the church around the world and the church through most of the centuries, it was a marginalized church. uh, That The church of the first century, the New Testament was a marginalized church. And you just see, again, just faithfulness and conviction and courage. And we just really need that uh, at this moment uh, uh, where we find ourselves. Absolutely, yeah. And I know I'm jumping ahead, but that's why I like Anne Bradstreet so much. It's very encouraging to read her. Yeah, well, I mean, it's okay to jump ahead because that's what (laughs) we're talking about here. (laughs) Well, let's just just do that real quick. Uh, You know, Anne Bradstreet, we're going to, in a moment here, uh, listen to uh, one of our As Told by Littles podcast theater productions about her life and who she was and, and where she came from. Your wife has actually done some work on her, and I know you know a lot about she her. Did. Just just yeah. tell us a little bit of who who was Anne Bradstreet. Yeah, so Anne Bradstreet was born in Old England. She was born Anne Dudley, and she was born in 1612. So she's 
she's a, a perfect example of a Puritan, mm. as far as I can see it. Um, so here she is in Old England. Uh, she comes uh, to New England in 1630. So this is early on. And she marries Simon Bradstreet. And both her father and her husband were governors of the Massachusetts Bay Colony. So, mm. you know, she's in one of those uh, central families of the Puritans establishing this era. She's, she's born in 1612. She dies in 1672. So she's, she's fully in that colonial moment. And as a, a, a Puritan mother and as a Puritan wife, she is getting really at the essence of what is Puritanism, which is that God-centered life that then radiates out uh, to, to all those aspects and areas of her life. So uh, what does it mean to be a godly mother? What does it mean to be a godly wife? And what does it mean to be a godly disciple? And on top of all that, we have America's first published poet, and we also, because she's a woman, we have America's first published female poet. So her poetry was shipped across, uh, gathered up, some of her poems shipped across Old England, and uh, uh, rather unbeknownst to her, mm -hmm. uh, it was taken and published as the 10th muse lately sprung up in these parts. Uh, so uh, somewhere in that list is Shakespeare and Milton and uh, along that uh, corridor of worthies, Anne Bradstreet takes her place. So wonderful Puritan, uh, colonial poet. She's anthologized in literature textbooks. But sadly, I think a lot of people in the church just don't really know about her that mm -hmm. well. So uh, I think this, this podcast is great. Let's hope it, it turns a lot of people on uh, to the poetry of Anne Bradstreet. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? You said that so many in the modern church don't know her, but if you type her name in the Google, you're going to see NPR, Harvard, you know, <laughs> and right. a lot of people like to talk about her, but they kind of get her wrong too, don't they? Yeah, they have a little skewed perspective of her. <laughs> they, you know, they like her because she's a she's a female poet, yeah, and yeah. so she, and she's the first poet. Um, but but yeah, there's there's a lot more to her, and she's she really is one of those. If church history had its Hebrews chapter 11, she should be in there. Oh, so we have our kids here. We didn't, did we interview Oh, yeah. Them yet? We've got our kids here. Jackson and Madeline, say hello. Hi. Two of our nice. three kids. Well, it's nice to have you all. I'm looking forward to hearing you read Anne Bradstreet's poem. Maybe not in a colonial accent. We're not even sure what. Her, her accent was probably British, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so she gets here to North America, New England. Uh, they're part mm -hmm. of the Massachusetts Bay Colony. And I think sometimes we can idealize that time as if, wow, the America's right. being built and how exciting. But um, she goes through some great trials, and one of them is the burning of her home. Yeah, and this was actually after... She had many memories made there. She brought up her, her children there. And um, so she's older when she wrote this poem. So, Jackson, you want right. to read it? Take it away. Okay. In silent night, when rest I took, for sorrow near I did not look. Awakened was with thundering noise and piteous shrieks of dreadful voice. The fearful sound of fire and fire, let no man know is my desire. I starting up, the light did spy, and to my God my heart did cry, to strengthen me in my distress, and not to leave me succorless. Then coming out, beheld a space, the flame consumed my dwelling place, and when I could no longer look, I blessed his name that gave and took, that laid my goods now in the dust. 
Yea, so it was, and so twas just, it was his own, it was not mine. Far be it that I should repine, he might of all justify bereft. But yet sufficient for us left, but when by the ruins oft I passed, my sorrowing eyes aside did cast, and here and there the places spy, where oft I sat and long did lie. Here stood that trunk, and there that chest, there lie that store I counted best. My pleasant things in ashes lie, and then behold no more shall I. Under thy roof of no guest shall sit, nor at thy table eat a bit. No pleasant tale shall e'er be told, nor things recounted done of old. No candle e'er shall shine in thee, no bridegroom's voice e'er heard shall be. In silence ever shall thou lie, adieu, adieu, all is vanity. Then straight I again my heart to chide, and did thy wealth on earth abide. Didst fix thy hope on moling dust, the arms of flesh didst make thy trust. Raise up thy thoughts above the sky, that dunghill mist away may fly. Thou hast an house on high erect, framed by the mighty architect. With glory richly furnished, stands permanent through this be fled. It's purchased and paid for too, by him who hath enough to do. A price so vast as is unknown, yet by his gift is made thine own. There's wealth enough, I need no more. Farewell my pelf, farewell my store. The world no longer let me love. My hope and treasure lies above. Wow. Thank you, Jackson. Yes, thank you. <laughs> that was a mouthful. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> With all that uh, old English thrown in, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well done. 400 years later, well done. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> when you hear that, Steve, I mean, there's so much rich theology coming through in it, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, it, this is her Job poem. And uh, you even ha- you know you hear the echoes of Job. And so she she sees her house and all these memories that her house has. So these are wooden homes. There's fires to heat them, homes burning. And actually, it wasn't an uncommon thing for not everybody to make it out mm-hmm. yeah. of these. So you talk about the hard life of these Puritans, colonial New England. They had their moments of suffering. You know, there's a, there's a moment here, too. It's interesting. So this fire is in 1666. She has a lot of poetry published uh, up into the mid-60s. And then there's sort of a dearth for a little bit. And there's a line in here where she says, Here stood that trunk and there that chest. Mm -hmm. There lay that store I counted best. And probably she lost poems in this fire. Interesting. And of course, yeah, right. And they're not on an SD card. Right. Like right. All she has is hard copies. Not stored in the cloud. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, as she's watching her house go up in smoke, she's watching some of these poems that we'll never know uh, go up in smoke, too. But what does she do in the end? She is resolved and recognizes that God gives and God takes and blessed be the name of the Lord. I mean, what a, what a great reflex mm-hmm. that that's her response to suffering. Her poems do remind me of the Psalms, where she Hmm. states the situation, states how she feels about the situation, very human feelings, but then reminds herself of where she is because of God in that situation. Right. And it's not just the pious, she goes right to, you know, like Job's friends. She she doesn't do that. She she deals with the sorrow and and Mm -hmm, very descriptive about the sorrow. Yeah. And then then she finds her comfort. 
um, in God. So there's, what a lesson. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, to to reflect on all that was lost, and yet even in that, she still is in some ways even testifying. But I still have those memories in my heart. All all these things I'm writing about, I know physically they're lost, but uh, what we actually had was a, a home with our family, with a marriage, with you know us praising the Lord. By God's grace, we still have that, and that's mm-hmm. a unique perspective. And then looking to her treasures in heaven. Yeah. Yeah, You know, I don't know if we talked about this. We can read the Puritans' sermons, theology. They, they were prolific. I, I see this as applied Puritan theology mm-hmm. and, and really see some of those rich theological themes in the Puritans. If you want to see, well, how does this, you know, play out in a real-world situation in my life, um, I think Bradstreet's just a good example of a lived theology. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we totally agree. So, in, in regards to lived theology, she also had a very happy marriage, it seems, with her husband. <laughs> right. Let's just talk a little bit about that. So, what's the character of the Puritans, right? Dour and sour. Yeah. And boy, we, we definitely wouldn't think of them as, you know, writing romance novels. Uh, but what we have in Anne Bradstreet is a very romantic poem. And it's a it's a, one example of this is just a, probably one of I think it's one of her best poems, um, certainly in the top five is to my dear and loving husband, um, and it's, it's just a beautiful love poem. I, I, it would probably just get anthologized in Valentine's Day poems. Uh, people would have no idea that this is written by a Puritan um, if if they didn't have the, her name connected to it or know the context of it. And it just it celebrates the gift of of marital love, which is God's gift to Mm -hmm. uh, not just Christians, but common grace gift of marriage. And it's just a beautiful poem. All right. So we're going to have our 14-year-old daughter, Madeline, this time read to my dear and loving husband. If ever two were one, then surely we. If ever man were loved by wife, then thee. If ever wife was happy in a man, compare with me, ye woman, if you can. I prize thy love more than whole mines of gold, or all the riches that the east doth hold. My love is such that rivers cannot quench, nor aught but love from thee give recompense. Thy love is such I can no way repay, the heavens reward thee manifold, I pray. Then while we live in love, let's so persevere, that when we live no more, we may live ever. Oh, is that it? Okay. Yeah. Short and sweet. Sweet. Yeah. So there she is talking about her husband. Um, You know, I I think too. There's also this idea that, um, my goodness, uh, a Puritan woman lived in an oppressed era, and Hmm. you know, men were probably all dominating, and yet here Hmm. she is writing so lovingly. Um, You know, what what stands out to you as you you heard Madeline read that? Yeah, I think a couple of things. I think one, and we didn't really talk about this, but when she was in Old England, uh, her father managed a very massive estate, and the lord of that estate had an incredible library, and she had full reign of it. So we haven't really talked about this. She had an incredible education, and I think what this poem shows is she is a no-kidding serious poet. Uh, Those opening lines are just brilliant, so I think we need to recognize that. But this line, if ever wife was happy in a man, compare with me, ye women, 
if you can. Like, she <laughs> is a very contented mm. woman who's almost sort of, you know, being a little braggadocious yes. about her relationship here. Um, like, we're the best couple ever. Um, and what it demonstrates is that what God has ordained is actually what is best for us. And God has ordained marriage. Mm. And she recognizes that. And she recognizes her calling within that. And she's a, a very happy woman, Anne Bradstreet. Um, so I, I find that in the poem. And I just think it's, it's, it's really wonderful. I remember one time reading in, in Jonathan Edwards the word happified. And I thought, oh, that's a great word. And I thought Edwards invented it. Then I realized it was actually in Anne Bradstreet's poems. Oh. And I'm not sure I found it prior to Bradstreet. Is that a great word? Happified? Happified. (laughs) I think I might use it today. (laughs) Isn't it? And I I thought, well, we could also speak of happification if we wanted to. Sure. Um, But here it is, how to be happy. Well, what if we followed uh, God's blueprint Maybe that's mm-hmm. uh, how we are happified. And, you know, we have we have young kids that listen to this podcast and some as young as four and five years old. And we don't want them to be like, oh, i got to tune out. This is about marriage. Uh, it's really good for kids in Christian homes to be thinking even now about God's gift of marriage to, to people, isn't it? It is. And, you know, as far as kids go, we could speak of she not only has poems for her husband, she has, she has poems for her children mm-hmm. because it's also part of that family. She's talking about the family, and in her family, she finds um, so much to celebrate and enjoy. Her t- oldest son, Samuel, has to go to England, so she she writes a poem that's a prayer for him going to England, and she's mm-hmm. praying for his for God to preserve him. I mean, the transatlantic voyages in the 1600s, this is risk. Yes. Mm-hmm. But then she adds a second poem when he comes back and on his returning from England. And it's a poem praising God. And so I think what, what Bradstreet was a poet. Mm. That was the gift God gave her. Mm-hmm. She was a poet. And so she used her gift to not only understand her life, but she also used her gift intertwined with her life as her service to God and as her service to the people who were in her life, her family. And so it's wonderful to see her poems to her husband, her poems to her children. And yeah, I think we can just really benefit from jumping into these poems. One other poem uh, before we go uh, that she's well known for is a poem about that idea of sojourning through life, that mm. not only was she a um, an actual pilgrim in the sense that she moved from one nation to another, That's but right. she saw herself as a a pilgrim in life uh, as a Christian passing through this life. Do you want to read Melissa that poem? Sure. As weary pilgrim, now at rest, hugs with delight his silent nest, his wasted limbs and lie full soft, that miry steps have trodden oft, blesses himself to think upon his dangers past and travails done. The burning sun no more shall heat, nor stormy rains on him shall beat. The briars and thorns no more shall scratch, nor hungry wolves at him shall catch. He erring paths no more shall tread, nor wild fruits eat instead of bread. For waters cold he doth not long, for thirst no more shall parch his tongue. No rugged stones his feet shall gall, nor stumps nor rocks cause him to fall. All cares and fears he bids farewell, and means and safety now to dwell. 
A pilgrim I on earth perplexed, With sins, with cares, and sorrows vexed, By age and pains brought to decay, And my clay house moldering away. Oh, how I long to be at rest, And soar on high among the blest, This body shall in silent sleep, Mine eyes no more shall ever weep, No fainting fits shall me assail, No grinding pains my body frail, With cares and fears ne'er cumbered be, nor losses know, nor sorrows see. What though my flesh shall there consume, it is the bed Christ did perfume. And when a few years shall be gone, this mortal shall be clothed upon. A corrupt carcass down it lays, a glorious body it shall raise. In weakness and dishonor sown, in power tis raised by Christ alone. Then soul and body shall unite, and of their Maker have the sight. Such lasting joys shall there behold, as ear ne'er heard nor tongue e'er told. Lord, make me ready for that day. Then come, dear Bridegroom, come away. Mm. Wow. It is a powerful poem. It is. I mean, this is, this is the perishable takes on the imperishable. And you see her talking about the wearies of the flesh. She speaks of loss. Um, she just speaks of the physical decay that you know comes with age, the, the sorrows along the way, but she uh, longs to be at rest. You know, there's some interesting thought about that final line, because we know that the church is the bride and Christ is the bridegroom. And so she's saying, come dear bridegroom, uh, in that final line. But then the last two words are, come away. And it, it almost doesn't make sense that those are her words, because she's not coming away. She's going to, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. So some think, yeah, and some think what she's doing there is these are the words of Christ calling to her to come away uh, to him. Um, but it's just such a beautiful poem. And sh- she's going to die three years uh, after she writes this poem. She lived longer than the life expectancy of 17th century colonial New Englanders. Yeah. And uh, over the course of that long life, she was uh, ready uh, to, to go home and to, uh, f- to meet her uh, eternal rest. Mm-hmm. My goodness, uh, you caught me off guard with that last line. I, I think you might be right. Come away. I mean, it's like the pilgrim working through what life is and telling everyone, this is my hope. And then to hear, come away, C- come with yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Wow. And uh, it's fitting, right? Christ Christ should have the final word. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, as we wrap up our, our time together, you know, like I said, we've got a lot of families that listen to this program together, and that's that's really what we, we want. We want families to to learn together about Christ and also about church history. Is there uh, any final words that you'd like to share with uh, with those listening about the importance of, of looking to Christ in history and what we can learn from it? And maybe even a last oh. thought about Anne Bradstreet. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, what, a, what a wonderful question. Kids love stories. Mm. They love to hear you talk about the you know the crazy uncle who shows up at the family reunions or you know <laughs> the 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 crazy things grandpa did you know uh, kids love to hear those family stories. Well, church history is is our family. Amen. This is we are part of this family of God, and there are wonderful stories in church history. And you think of Van Bradstreet, 
she's a woman. So what a great example for young Christian girls to get to know Anne Bradstreet uh, as they get to know some of these other figures we talk about all the time, Spurgeon or Edwards or Martin Luther. So church history is just full of good stories. We're inspired by the courage, uh, but ultimately what we see is God's faithfulness. And if God was faithful in their lives and he promises to be faithful in ours, then we can know that God will be faithful uh, no matter what uh, the twists and turns our life has for us. Amen. Mm -hmm. We agree. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, Steve, thank you so much for joining us here on All Things Together. Oh, my pleasure. I've enjoyed spending time with your family. Thanks for inviting me in. It's been a pleasure. Bye. Bye. See you, Jackson. Bye, Madeline. Nice to meet you all. And Owen's still in bed, so we'll tell he's, him you said hello. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's feeling under the weather this <laughs> morning. Give him my regards. We will. We will. This is All Things Together. And it was such a pleasure to talk with Stephen about Ann Bradstreet. His passion for church history is contagious. Yeah, it really is. We, we were so thankful for the time that uh, we got to chat with him. And two out of three of our kids got to talk with him. So stick around so you can hear how you can enter for a chance to win Dr. Stephen Nichols' The Church History ABC's book. It's a great little book. And yes, B does stand for? Bradstreet. Isn't that perfect? Well, without any further ado, I think we should just get right to our new podcast theater. I'm really excited about it. So without any further ado, here is... Five Solas Media Presents... As told by Little's Podcast Theater. Anne Bradstreet, Pilgrim, Puritan, Poet. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the last call for the boarding of the Abella. Be sure to stow your carry-on under your feet or overhead. We will be serving salted pork and oats on board. Emergency exits are everywhere around the top deck. Your approximate ETA to New England is two months from today. Enjoy your voyage. Bon voyage. You ready, Anne? As ready as I'll ever be, my dear and loving husband. A long time ago in a country far, far away, across the Atlantic Ocean to be exact, a woman named Anne, with an E, was born in 1612 in England as Anne Dudley. Like many Puritans, she and her family faced a growing hostility towards them because they wanted to purify and reform the Church of England. Anne was educated at home by her father, who was very well read. Shout out to the homeschoolers! Anne loved to read and write and wrote poems about her life. At the age of 16, Anne married a handsome young man named Simon Bradstreet. The Dudley family, along with newlywed Simon and Anne Bradstreet, decided to move to the New World with the hopes of having more freedom to worship God. They left on the Arbella flagship on April 8, 1630, and it was a really long and challenging journey that took two months. Can anyone say seasick? Needless to say, the passengers on the ship were very happy to finally see land after crossing the Atlantic Ocean. Hey look, there's a couple of birds! But so what? So what? Birds mean lands nearby! <gasps> I see it! Oh, what a beautiful sight! I see it too! Oh, and do you smell it? The land smells sweet, like a garden. Do you see it, Mr. and Mrs. Bradstreet? I do! What a relief! Oh, Simon, my heart feels a bit sick. 
I don't know about this, but I'm also confident that this is the will of God. Ladies and gentlemen, passengers of this mighty vessel at Bella, we are preparing for landing. Please be sure to buckle your seatbelt and stow your devices in the seat pocket in front of you. Thank you for traveling with us. We hope you enjoy your stay in the fabulous new world. On June 8th, the Arbella landed at Salem, Massachusetts. The new Mr. and Mrs. Bradstreet had their whole lives in front of them and looked forward to the opportunities that awaited them in America. But at the same time, they also faced many hardships. Even with all that risk, they trusted that God's sovereign hand was leading them. Upon their arrival, Anne's father, Thomas Dudley, penned a letter to send back to England, and in it he wrote, We found the colony in a sad and unexpected condition, above 80 of them being dead the winter before, and many of those alive, weak, and sick. All of the corn and bread amongst them all hardly sufficient to feed them a fortnight. And if you don't know, that means two weeks, not a video game. Anne, who had already struggled with bouts of sickness on the ship, Ain't nobody got time for that. Found herself sick again shortly after arriving in New England. But when she faced challenges in life, she found herself picking up her pen. <coughs> Come in. Oh, Anne, look at you. You're, uh, uh, I know, I know. <coughs> I'm a mess. Well, Mom had me bring you over some soup. I'll just set it here on the table. Thank you, dear sister. No worries. I mean, you're welcome. By the way, what are you working on? Oh, it's nothing really. Just a few verses to remind myself of how fragile my life is. <gasps> but you're so young. I mean, you're older than me, but still so young. Yes. Twice ten years old. Not fully told. Since nature gave me breath. My race is run. My thread is spun. Lo, here is fatal death. But, but, you don't think you're really going to die? All men must die, and so must I. <coughs> of course, my precious sister, do not be afraid. I am not. My salvation is secure in Jesus. The race is run, the field is won. When I write, I remind myself of these gospel truths, and I feel God's pleasure. And how God can truly use this point of view in my life. Thank you and I pray you will feel better. Let me know if you need anything else. I think we'll have a ship coming in with fresh supplies soon. Good, I could use a new handkerchief and some honey <clears throat> would do me some good right now. And I'm getting the craving for some French fries. Anne healed and eventually had a reason for craving fries. She gave birth to her first child, a son, Samuel Bradstreet in 1633. Anne then gave birth to seven more children between 1635 and 1652. With each life event, each challenge, Anne picked up her pen and wrote. As much as she enjoyed writing the poems, there were those who enjoyed reading them. One such person was her brother-in-law, Reverend John Woodbridge, who snuck a copy of Anne's poetry with him on a trip to England. John, what are you doing here back in London? Ah, George, it's good to see you. Tell your father I was asking for him. I'm here on church business, but I'm also publishing some poems. Hmm, I didn't know you wrote. Oh, no, I don't. These are my sister-in-law's poems. Shh, 
She doesn't know I took them to publish. <laughs> but I have to share them with the world. Uh, that's pretty brave of you, because if I were her, I wouldn't be too happy about that. And she's a woman. I know, I know. I fear the displeasure of no one in publishing these poems, except for the authors. She has no idea I'm bringing these to public view. And I'm sure she never thought these poems would see the light of the sun. But God has given this woman, this wife, this mother, talents too good not to share. <laughs> uh, well, good luck with that. Rats! Where in the world is it? What are you looking for, my lovely wife? My dearest husband, I can't find my book of poems. It's been missing for months. Well, where did you last have it? I had them right here. It's like they got up and walked away. Hmm, if only poetry could grow legs. I'll get that. You keep looking. I know you must feel such a loss. John, mercy, what a surprise. What brings you to our threshold? Come in, come in. Well, we have a confession to make. Wait, John, this is your confession. Go ahead. Well, I have a feeling you may be looking for this, Anne. <gasps> What's in the colonial world? How did you, what are you, can you please explain? Why do you have my poems? Now, Anne, I meant this for good. The world must see your God-given talent of penning this beautiful poetry. And look, they will. The tenth muse lately sprung up into America by a gentlewoman in such parts. I, I, I can't believe it. These poems were not meant for others to see. They're the ill-formed children in my feeble brain. Oh, sweet sister. They're such an encouragement to many. God will use them. My thoughts exactly. Simon, did you have a part in this? Um, yes, no, uh, is that a trick question? I may have thought it was a good idea and may have encouraged it. Simon, you know how inspiring Anne's poems are and the world needs to see them. So you are good friends. I don't know if this is wise, but it is done. And so I must submit to the will of my father in heaven. Do I get to keep this copy? Yes, John brought this one just for you. <sighs> Thanks. And can I please have my poetry manuscript back? <laughs> of course. Anne was not very happy about her brother-in-law publishing her poetry. She even wrote a poem about it. But thankfully, she kept writing, and she published other books of poetry with her name attached. Minnie began to read her poetry that was rich with life and gospel hope. And all seemed to be going well. But on the night of July 10th, 1666, a dark providence struck. Anne escaped her burning home only to watch it burn with all her earthly possessions in it. And on that night, on a loose piece of paper she found, while she watched the home she and Simon had raised their kids and burned to the ground, she wrote one of her most well-known poems called, Upon the Burning of Our House. In silence night, when rest I took, for sorrow near I did not look. I wakened was with thundering noise, 
and piteous shrieks of dreadful voice, that fearful sound of fire and fire, let no man know is my desire. I, starting up, the light did spy, and to my God my heart did cry. Anne's poem was very descriptive. Like Job from long ago, she lamented all that she had lost, but she also turned her eyes to the Lord, whose name is to be blessed, whether he gives or takes away. Raise up thy thoughts above the sky, that dunghill mist away may fly. Thou hast a house on high erect, framed by that mighty architect. With glory richly furnished, stands permanent though this be fled. It's purchased and paid for too, by him who hath enough to do. A price so vast as is unknown, yet by his gift is made thine own. There's wealth enough, I need no more. Farewell my pelf, farewell my store. The world no longer let me love, my hope and treasure lies above. Anne Bradstreet did not waste words when describing earthly struggles. But instead of focusing on those struggles, she always turned to the sweet truths of salvation that Christ had paid for and saved her from her sins. She pondered what heaven would be like and reminded herself where her treasure was. Sick once more in 1672 and very weary, Anne Bradstreet pinned one last poem. Come in. Oh, my sweet sister, you look. I know. I'm a mess, and I am, and I am, a pilgrim eye on earth perplexed, with sins, with cares, and sorrows vexed, by age and pains brought to decay, and my clay house moldering away. Oh, how I long to be at rest, and soar on high among the blessed. And I don't know what to say. Mercy, I pray, Lord, make me ready for that day. Then come, dear bridegroom, come away. Anne pinned her last poem, As Weary Pilgrim, Now at Rest, three years before she met her dear bridegroom, her Savior, Jesus Christ. In this last poem, she reminded and encouraged herself and her readers of what aches and pains God had brought her through in her life and what she had to look forward to in the eternal life to come. We can still read Anne Bradstreet's poems today and be encouraged in our own lives living for Christ. We are thankful for Anne's honest words. God is still using her poetry nearly 400 years later to encourage her fellow pilgrims. This is All Things Together, and that was another As Told by Littles podcast theater. And wow, those last lines really choked me up. Even as I was laying the music in, I, I got tears in my eyes. Yeah, honestly, the As Weary Pilgrim poem that she wrote at the end of her life moves me to tears as well. And kids, I know it can be a lot to take in listening to the words of Anne's poems, um, especially with the old English and all. But we want to encourage you to read them with your parents. 
If you don't know what something means, ask your parents. And Parents and Bradstreet's poems are easily found online, and I have to say they are a true treasure to share with your kids. Maybe even think about incorporating them into your family worship. They're a great place to begin discussions about life and how our sovereign God is a part of that. Mm-hmm. And I just have to say, Melissa, that we had such a great time working with the kids on this podcast. In fact, there were a lot of them this time. <laughs> yes. So we had Mia as Anne Bradstreet, Owen as Simon Bradstreet, Rocio as Passenger 1, Adon as Passenger 2, Madeline as the Arbella attendant and the narrator, Noah as Mercy Dudley Woodbridge, Lucas as John Woodbridge, Eden as George, and Jackson as Thomas Dudley. Is that everyone? Uh, I think so. Uh, Of course, we can't forget to tell everybody about our great giveaway this time around. We're so thankful to our friends at Crossway Publishers who shared a few copies of Dr. Stephen Nichols' The Church History ABCs. And yes, Anne Bradstreet is letter B in that book. So for details of this giveaway, please go to our Facebook or Instagram pages and look for our podcast post. You'll find the way to enter there. And make sure you do it quickly because this contest has a timeline on it. And speaking of our social media, if you like our podcast, please follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our podcast. We would really appreciate that. Leave a review. Tell your friends and your family. You could even tell your church. Let your pastor know. We keep hearing from more and more people all around the world who are so blessed by what they hear. Uh, and if you are, please let us know. You can check us out at fivesolasmedia.com. That's fivesolasmedia.com. Send us an email at info at fivesolasmedia.com. And we would love to hear from you. Well, once again, we just want to thank Dr. Stephen Nichols for joining us today and uh, thank you for listening. Yes, thank you so much. I'm Troy Lamberth. I'm Melissa Lamberth. And this is All Things Together, a production of Five Solas Media. Oh, is that it? I think it's <laughs> okay. Yeah. Short and sweet. Yeah. <laughs>